0: Hey welcome to Anarchy to Diapers, I'm your host Dan Bach, I'm from Long Island, New York. Anarchy to Diapers is a podcast about subculture lifestyles, how they shape your values and your beliefs, and when becoming a parent, what do you decide is going to be harmful or helpful. This particular subject is near and dear to my heart because I've taken part in many subcultures and I tattooed for a huge portion of my life. So really it's an exploration of parenting. Today's episode, I sit down and talk to Sean Miller. He's a bassist from Long Island, New York. He's played in bands such as Helen of Troy, Gospel, Kaiju Daisenso. Anarchy to Diapers, bitches! You said you from West uh South Hempstead? Um, West Hempstead. Originally South Hempstead. South Hempstead, yeah, okay.
1: It's uh, Rockwell Center School District. It's just north of Rockwell Center between Rockwell Center and Hempstead. Okay. And yeah, then we moved to I moved to Valley Stream for a couple of years and we lived in Long Beach for about 10-12 years before coming to Belmore.
0: Um what did you do in South Hempstead for fun?
1: For fun? Uh not much. It's about eight blocks long. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean once we were I, I mean hang out in the schoolyard, drink, smoke. It's what everyone does, you know. <laughs> like yeah. In high school, like do all right, music, cool. Start bands, do that fun stuff.
0: <laughs> and what is is that like a working middle class over there?
1: Yeah, yeah, middle class. It's a, it's a great way to sneak into the Rockville Center school district yeah. because you don't pay Rockville Center taxes. You the houses are affordable, but you get to go to the Rockville Center schools. So it's a great back door into okay, a good school district in a good town.
0: Yeah, because they're like borderlines, lines like a rough neighborhood.
1: Uh, I mean it's in between rock it's in between like um a country club and a ghetto okay so it's like an eight block area where essentially they couldn't send me to Hempstead high school because I get my ass kicked so they <laughs> they shoehorned me into you know the nicer area so. uh,
0: how did you get along with your parents
1: um I mean it was okay we don't really um we got along okay you know none of the best relationship don't have a terrible relationship you know I'm in contact with both my parents. Okay. So it's not like a bad thing, but I mean, like anything, you know, we Dude. could always definitely room for improvement in areas, probably on myself too, but
0: amen to that. So like, did you think your parents were present? Like, like, as when I, like, oh, they were around for sure. Yeah. But like, yeah. when it, were they intertuned with you as a kid? Um, like, what do you mean? Like in tune would me? like, like, as far as like, did you have an open relationship? Could you like really talk to them or were they like the parents and you were the kid? I think in between, I think they were they were open to certain things, but there was definitely certain things I couldn't talk
1: about. You know, like like any sort of I don't know, like the birds and the bees type stuff. They were very like unopen to speaking about things like that. It was too weird, so it was like, all right, we're just gonna ignore it. Print doesn't exist. Okay. That sort of situation, but other things like like I could go home and I'd be yeah you know, I could wake up hungover and they'd be like, oh, did you got drinking last night? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all right. <then. laughs> so they were cool with certain things. Other things they were kind of odd about when I okay it's like the openness you know are your parents religious no not at all Do, is your wife religious not really all right. no we um now that we're parents we haven't gotten our kids baptized or done anything like that but now that we are parents we have had conversations we're kind of on the fence right. about doing it about having some sort of religious religion in their life but personally i don't care you know i don't it is what it is you know
0: are you practicing anything? Like, do you read any, like, philosophies or anything like that?
1: I mean, I read a lot when I was younger. Now mm-hmm. I'm just bitter and old. <laughs> but, um, no, but I mean, I don't really... There's obviously more to it than this. There's obviously another being somewhere, a higher power, but I don't really you don't subscribe think too much. to any of the actual religions. I don't...
0: Hey, no, I, it, you know? I understand. I understand. I, there's something philosophies that I prefer over others. That's about it. Exactly. But I, to kind of to make a medley of my own thing. I know. Yeah, it's pretty
1: much what it is. You know, like everyone has a story. You know, Bible, Quran, whatever. It's it's all stories. There's a higher power. We get it. <laughs> we're not going to see it <laughs> until we die. If who knows? You know, okay. that might happen. But yeah, so we're not religious, but at the same time, now that we have kids, do we want to? Have religion in their life, and that's something we keep debating on. I say no. My wife is kind of on the fence. She wants to maybe get them baptized, because we went. We both went that far, you know. We, yeah. we were baptized. We both had our confirmation, and then we kind of ended it at that. We didn't get married in church or anything like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so still still open for discussion. We, we haven't yeah. made a decision either way yet.
0: No, but, I understand that because I I, cause I, uh, I had my son baptized, but I didn't go any further than that, and we don't really go to church, so. Um, I don't know. Maybe the next one I won't do. <laughs> I know that's the thing. Like we were
1: joking. Like, can we get like a three for one deal if we decide to do it? To bring all three of them to church or whatever, you know.
0: But I think they still. Uh, I think they're still gonna charge you for each one. Probably. They want their money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walk around a little collection plate. With your parents, is there any um, particular moment where you felt that they really let you down? Do you think it's important to remember things like that? so that you are more aware when your children are going through things?
1: Um, yeah, I don't have a specific um, like story or anything from my youth, but to be honest, I've definitely become more bitter. Oh. And um, I have a lot of, I don't know, mixed emotions about my own past, like looking at it through a different, from a different perspective now that I, have a fa- that I am a father and I have three kids. So it's definitely changed my perception of my parents, and I don't know, kind of, uh, I don't know, it makes me angry about certain things that did go on, mm-hmm. like nothing specific, just the overall like vibe of growing up and yeah. their relationship with each other, and it's just something I don't want to repeat in front of my kids. So yeah, absolutely, 100%, I yeah, I see things a, hundred, like, a lot differently now that I have kids and I am a father uh, when I compare it to my own upbringing, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I go through the same thing, and now that I have kids, like, all of a sudden, like, I. My first year, I got really resentful at my parents. Like, what the fuck were they doing? And, um, so I kind of just had to accept them for who they are and just be like, okay, I'm not going to repeat that. And that's kind of, like, I kind of. I had to let that stuff go because it was actually hindering me with my relationship with my kid's grandparents. So, I don't. My son's grandparents, so, um, you know.
1: Yeah, it's kind of something I'm still working on, to tell you the truth. Like it's, and it doesn't hinder our relationships. It just kind of hinders my relationship with my parents. You know, uh-huh. my dad's not really... A, I see my dad maybe twice a year. Um, my mom is nearby. She lives in America. So it's a strange dynamic where like, we kind of just don't speak. There's a weird, like, detente where, like, it's going to escalate if we do have a conversation about it into some bizarre, like, fight so we just kind of both ignore it, and we just don't She makes plans through my wife to see my kids. Okay. It's a strange situation like uh, but it's it's a lot of things that kind of came up like after having kids and seeing like how my kids are treated by their grandparents and just seeing like the the strange the strange things that are just being put on them that I remember from when I was a kid so it's it's like bringing up resentment that. I forgot about and just seeing it happen again with the way like it's being put on my kids. So it's a strange dynamic for sure. But it's, it's, it's something that I never even anticipated or never even thought was something I'd think about. It's like, Oh, I'm raising kids. I want to make sure they don't get hit by a fucking car or something. You know, like I didn't think about the dynamic with my mom. Like I didn't think about that shit, but like, it's a strange thing that Uh we, uh, The weird detente that's, that's going on between, (laughs) since uh, the first one was born, it's been like years and years.
0: No, I totally understand, Um, like I said, I I had to like, um, I had to do a lot of soul searching and like, uh, my mom is, my mom is very much out there and she's super cool, I love my mom, but, uh, you know, there's some things with my son I have to like lay down the line, like, hey mom, this is what I don't want, and like this is why and I ha- I explained to my mom why I instead of just yelling at her and yeah, yeah. uh so I've been getting better with that and I love my mom too <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong <laughs> have you thought about letting that shit go and like oh, yeah it's a process it's,
1: that's the thing it's like like I'm halfway there you know okay alright that's why I drink so much I don't know <laughs> 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 um, but yeah no it's it's a process it's I'm, I'm kind of coming to terms with certain things and reconciling some things in my head when it comes to that but it, it's strange though when kids do bring that stuff out and like it's all good it's like everything is amazing with my kids and it's not a negative thing that like that came out because they're here but it's just something that came out something it, that you don't really think about you know and it's yeah. different how relationships and perceptions of people and the past and the future and what's going on now yeah, kinda of change. Yeah, yeah no,
0: Definitely it's like all these things that you thought you were over and then when you have a, when you have your own kids, you're like, "What the fuck were they thinking? Why why do they, why are they acting like this? Like no, parents shouldn't act like that." Oh well, yeah,
1: I mean, like my dad was hammered all the time. My mom was yelling at him. That's my childhood. So like, like yeah, it's like things like that. It's like damn. Like I don't want my kids to fucking grow Club, up just like, seeing like two parents completely split and just screaming each other all the time. Like oh you're a fucking drunk. Oh fuck you. You know it's like that. was every day so it's like all right i'm not gonna get hammered every night <laughs> or argue with my wife in front of my kids that's kind of like the lessons i learned from i think not failures i mean my parents are people like i love my dad i love my mom and like they were doing their thing but like they were learning as they were going too like they were younger also like my mom was 20 my dad was 25 when they had me when i was 25 i was fucking touring and getting hammered every fucking night so, like, would I be any different if I were 25 having yeah. my kids? I didn't have my first kid until I was uh, 32, uh, almost 33, because I decided when I turned 32 to have a kid. So, nine months after turning 32, I had my first. So, I had, like, a good seven years on my dad, and um, longer than that on my mom, and my wife was... I didn't my first till you know. I was
0: 39, so... <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, we're older yeah, totally and wiser
1: having kids, you know? So, that's the thing. So like, I can't fault them for things. Uh, That happened when I was younger But at the same time A lot of dumb shit was going on So it's like yeah I know what not to do You know Yeah,
0: Well that's what I was getting Like earlier When I was saying You just gotta let shit go Cause I know like I didn't know my ass From my elbow When I was that age so, yeah. let alone like having kids and having to like have a family, like who the fuck could do that? Like, I fucking was way far from that. So, like, I try and like, uh, like whatever, I just let it go. I was still in that process.
1: Like, my dad, I'm cool with. Like, I see him two, three times a year. He lives in the city, go to a bar. Like, he, um, he's had, um,
0: you <laughs> meet him at the bar? <laughs> well, yeah,
1: no, he, um, he met his cardiologist a few months uh, ago in Rockwell Center. Okay. So, he came from the city to see his cardiologist. So I was like, all right, you're going to be in Rockville Center. Cool. I'll, I'll come out and meet you. He's like, all right, cool. Meet me at Churchill's, which is the bar across the street from Minnesota. I was, know, Churchill's. Well. <laughs> and they have um, horse betting, right? They have the machine we you can bet on shit that goes on in Belmont and around the country. So I was like, all right, cool. All right, I'll see you there at 2 o'clock. I happen to be off on like a Thursday, and he was doing that. So we did it. It's like, all right, cool, Dad. Like, that's our relationship. It's like, all right, you just went to the cardiologist. You still smoke a pack a day. You've had a couple heart attacks, a couple strokes. But all right this is your thing this is what you do you're going to go bet on the horses you're going to sit at the bar we're going to drink a fucking bunch of beers together get kind of hammered eat a little food bet on the horses good to see you. you know and I kind of realized that that's like our relationship that's cool you know he's doing this thing in the city that's where he lives that's where he works everything's cool we see each other every few months drink some beers together he comes to my house sees the kids we'll have a couple of drinks and then he leaves and like that's it's cool I'm totally cool that's him that's his deal that's what he wants to do
0: completely fucking selfish
1: well, yeah, of course, but like, yeah, he's, he's fucking, I, I don't know how old he is. He's, he was born in the 50s, so whatever. he's not 70 yet. He's in his 60s. So yeah, that's who, that's who he is. That's who, that's what he does. We are who we are. I read something really cool that you don't change after you become an adult. Like, unless you have some, like like, dramatic thing where, like, you're an alcoholic becoming sober and having, like, a moment of clarity, and, like, you're a 30-year-old, 35-year-old, 40-year-old, or whatever, you can change your personality. But you can't. Like, yeah, unless but, something dramatic happens. My mom's a little different because she's a little crazier. But, um, and just seeing, like, that's what I was talking about before. Like, with her, the way she is with my kids is what kind of brings, back like, memories. That I'm getting over. You so, know, that's, like, a so little on the crazy side. Little, what like, is
0: it that you, upsets you with your mom? What is she, like, neurotic about?
1: Uh, everything. But, like, she's kind of, a, like, like uh, has been with my dad for years. So, it's, like, she's kind of, like, this growing into, like, an older, lonelier person. And projecting all of her loneliness onto my kids. And it's very strange. Like, very needy. And, like, kind of over the top when she talks to them. It's like, that's what it's about. It's like, dude, don't project your negative energy on my kids. It's very strange. So that's what we're kind of dealing with. And it's very hard to, like, like talk about that. Because, like, when someone's that negative and that needy, it's very, like, they're like a cornered fucking animal. Like, that you're talking to. It's like... They go on the defensive right away and it turns into a big fight. And that's a big like detente. It's like you can't talk to her and be like, hey, we prefer you be more like this with our kids. Like stop being so over the top uh, in these like, you know, things. And it's like completely like World War Three. <laughs>
0: well, I know like um, like some issues that I've had with my mom and other family members with my mom is that they basically have told her she's useless
1: no one wants to hear that
0: yeah. no 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 one wants to hear that and um you know like by dealing with my mom and thanking her and telling her how she's important and part of our family she has n- not become that bitter old lonely person she's gotten better and she's like actually working to be healthier where my when my mom was like not happy and people were telling her that like she is useless. She was she's uh, type two diabetic. She was eating bad, and uh, she just didn't fucking care. Like, have you ever tried thinking about trying to take that approach with your mom, where you're telling her like you are a important part of my family, and oh, I yeah. appreciate I mean, it. It's
1: years in the working. It's years in the making. It's like trying to like. Like uh, figure out the best way to tiptoe around certain things and kind of like massage emotions, you know. A fucking a, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And like, I love my mom. Like, I just want to say that too because, like, I do. She's my mom. She raised me. She's fucking awesome. Like, I'm sure my dad was no picnic, you know, <laughs> coming, up, coming, coming home happy every night. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but it's just like kind of dealing with her like negative um, attitudes and shit, and like her weird unhealthy ways that she projects onto my kids. That's the biggest thing. It's like a weird dark cloud that kind of comes into my house and just comes over. Not something super hippie and like weird, but like it's like no, the no, negative I... energy is like fucking there. And it's like, like how do you tell someone? It's like, yo, your negative, your energy is so fucking negative. Stop being fucking negative. But and then it's your mom. So you're like, fuck. Like you try to give subtle hints. You get into mm-hmm. arguments about things, and it blows up into things. But um, but it's all from like weird, you know, unresolved issues, unresolved childhood things that I kind of saw when I had kids. But um, I'm making it sound like more than it really is. Honestly, like we have a good relationship. She comes over once a week, sees my kids. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of some
0: right. good attributes that attributes? Would that be right? What are good characteristics I'm, that your mom has that have made you a better person?
1: She has a great work ethic. She's very dedicated. She can get behind a cause and really go all into it. She is very loving. Um, she's very. She had her own issues in her childhood. With her parents that went unresolved, they they both died before she could resolve them with her, with where she can resolve them with them. So I think she's very bitter and holding on to that. But she is a very loving person. She uh, she can get into, you know, get behind a cause and really go full force into it. She's very dedicated. She, she's a good, honest person. She's just kind of crazy, but. That's what we kind of we bump heads. But everybody's kids. crazy. You're, Everyone is. Yeah. You know.
0: Everybody sitting in this room right now is fucking one part crazy, two parts nuts. Um, uh, when did you get into music? Um, I just wanted to change the subject because we're pretty much are, like yeah, yeah. nailed that. Like, oh and yeah, I think we're just gonna keep repeating so Of
1: course, yeah, yeah. I'm very repetitive and I ramble a lot. So,
0: <laughs> so yeah, steer me away. Welcome from to shit. my world. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I wanted to actually come down and start talking because I'll give you I'll give people ear beatings like it's my job yeah. and then to go down here and then go on repeat would yeah just exactly be torturous. the same conversation again. Uh,
1: music I don't know I remember getting into when I was really really young Michael Jackson when I was like five because Thriller was big and then like when I started getting into more like guitar oriented music I think Motley Crue is my favorite band.
0: Oh very right. oh, cool very when cool. I was young yeah. very so, similar path
1: and then that led to you know like getting. But, you know you buy Dr. Feelgood and you listen to Guns N' Roses and stuff and then Nevermind comes out and that's the big thing and you're reading like, oh I was really influenced by Black Flag and then you buy I bought the first four years by Black Flag from that so I was in 8th grade and bought the first four years on CD by Black Flag and then I was like wow this is exactly what was described in the interview as to why they were an influence and Nirvana you know became a band and then you just kind of go from there and, you know that was like probably the the first album that really like guided me to I have to, I guess never mind guided me to where I am because okay. that led me to searching out other things and seeing uh, reading Kurt Cobain mention Black Flag and buying the first 4 years and once Nervous Breakdown comes on it was like holy shit this is fucking <laughs> exactly what was described and it's awesome and then yeah then you lead into oh that guy left Black Flag so i the Circle Jerks and you buy a Circle Jerks album and then just snowballs you know yes. and then you lead, one band leads to another and so yeah probably like eighth grade okay nevermind eighth- came out is what kind of led me on to music punk rock and hardcore metal whatever when know? did
0: you pick up an instrument
1: in eighth grade also okay i started playing guitar in eighth grade uh, i played guitar for a few years and then um there was a million guitar players so my friend's band needed a bass player okay. so i was like all right i'll buy a bass how hard can it be <laughs> i already play guitar and then it was a lot harder because um, <laughs> so I didn't want to play with a pick uh-huh. So I practiced a lot To use my fingers And play bass You know The traditional way Alright okay. And um, yeah Then it just kind of took off from there I kind of got more into The bass side of things And Started kind of like Discovering more Bass oriented music Which is probably Like my favorite All time bands Are probably The Minutemen And Jane's Addiction Which were all 100% bass oriented You know Bands You know Mike Watt is Amazing uh-huh. And the bass is At the forefront and every James Edition song was written from a bass line. So I think that's kind of why that became, you know, my favorite go to stuff, besides for like the classic, you know, like Black Flag, Circle Jerk stuff. Yeah. But once you start straying from that, I got really into the bass rated stuff when I started playing bass more often. So that's my main instrument. That was probably around like 17, 18 years old okay. when I started really playing bass as my main instrument.
0: How many bands have you been in?
1: That released things and like toured? Um, three. Okay. No. Uh, well, I was you want a, to start
0: with the first and move your way up?
1: I was in a punk band called the Swifties. I joined it. They were already a band. Okay. And we played like local shows. We played the PWAC. We played the Diamondback, which is a the, shitty little bar in Uniondale. The, the, um, the
0: P-Wack. Jesus, that's going back.
1: Yeah, a long time ago. That's my only time there, too. We played one show. Um, but um, yeah, we did that. We were young. We were like 16, 17 years old, maybe 18 and that just kind of fizzled out and then Vinny my good friend of mine the one who I talked about before who actually lives about 4 blocks the other way okay. from your house um, he we always played music together okay um, we were the rhythm section you know I played bass he played drums everything we did we were in the same bands together so we just kind of went through a phase we were just like jamming with different people trying to find a guitar player find something fun we put a lot of different people a lot of lame shit like we played, we played Kiss covers with one dude cause that's what he was into just to keep active and be playing. Okay. Uh, but then finally, like we, other friends of ours were doing things and we started a band called Helena Troy and we played a lot around Long Island. That's when we started releasing things. Put out a few 7 inches, a few EPs. Uh, we toured a lot. Um, that's when I met Matt Gordon who sings in Kaiju Desenso. Okay. Um We did that band together. Um, those are good times. Um, and then that ended. And three out of five of us in that band started a new band called Gospel. From that, and then Gospel put out a full-length split 10-inch. We've been on some comps, okay. And that was the band that really toured a lot, and that was the one that we were really kind of going for it, and just that was all we were about. You know, we were just constant touring, working, saving money, going on tour for four weeks, coming back, practicing, saving money. Two months later, go on tour for a few weeks, and then we kind of got a little older and realized that that really wasn't the direction that we wanted to take our lives in. It was kind of an impossible way to make a living. And uh, it kind of just fizzled out at the end. We kind of, four dudes stuck in a van together and not making any money, we kind of blew up on each other. Then that ended. Then we tried to start things just more of a part-time um, band and it's never really materialized. Then we started having kids, doing all that stuff, and we couldn't really you know, find the time. You know, to, to where our schedules are coordinated, and then uh, Matt was doing um, Kaiju Asenzo with Gabe and uh, Mike, and then um, their bass player wasn't able to continue because he had he has another band and had other obligations. So then I came in, and it's awesome.
0: What like personal success do you feel that you've had in any of these bands?
1: I mean, just the artistically, um, I think Gospel was the pinnacle of me and two of my friends just sitting around and really writing an album that was what we wanted to do like we weren't like we left we we broke up that band Helena Troy to start gospel because we we kind of felt limited with what we were doing and we were like all right like alright we're like a screamy hardcore band but we also fucking love Jane's Addiction we love Peter Gabriel era Genesis we love all this other music and let's you know we don't want to just play four chords and scream we want to add another element to it so we wrote an album then we added um this guy, John played keyboards and second guitar. And it was just like, that was my, my favorite album that like from start to finish that I've ever been a part of writing and recording and the tours we did just like from starting, you know, like putting out a demo and being on a split 10 inch with some little label in like Louisville and um, putting out a full length. And we had um, a PR person for three months, the label put for us, we, get, we got our ugly mugs and some zines and shit. And we had a tour of, a booking agent and stuff, and we toured a lot. And we, we recorded the album with um, Kurt Blue from Converge at his studio. And then Converge brought us out on tour as their opener um, a year after that. So like those were awesome experiences and amazing times. Um, so I'm very proud of everything we did as gospel. And then, honestly, being in Kaiju now, it's the most stress-free, easy thing to do. Um, I've been friends with Matt for you know, probably 15, 16 years now. I mean, almost 20 years I don't even know. You start to lose the years you know yeah, <laughs> like, no doubt no a doubt. long ass time you know and then like meeting Gabe and Mike and it's just an easy thing to do and you know hey are we gonna play alright cool see you there you know it's easy you know we go there and, and we just did an EP that I'm super proud of um, and that's up there with gospel for me uh, the recording came out really well uh, another Belmore guy um, Steve um, recorded it he has a studio in his garage in Belmore and uh, it came out awesome. And we gospel and kaiju was my two favorite things that I've ever done, and those are like, the things I'm most proud of, and, like the that we achieved and did together.
0: You said gospel just fizzled out. Could you explain that a little bit more?
1: We we just like I said before how like we op- the biggest tour we were on we were opening for Converge, Some Girls, and Modern Life Is War. We were the opening band. Awesome tour, awesome crowds, great exposure. We got a hundred bucks a night for being the opening band of that tour. <laughs> So – and at that point in time, it's like, all right, we we've been touring for like six, seven years and it was always to be economical and stay with kids. It's like, all right, oh, we can just crash on your floor? Awesome. Let's do that. We do it for seven – six, seven years. It's like, all right, it becomes tiresome. Now you're on a tour and like you're playing with Converge and like, all right, we're going to be at the Motel 6 at 1 p.m. We'll meet you guys there tomorrow and the, like some girls is there and I was like, OK, yeah, we'll – We'll get a room. <laughs> it's converted as three rooms for like the tour manager, the sound guy, and like it was like two to a room. Uh-huh. So there's six people on their tour. So everyone's doing that. So it's like all right, yeah, we're sick of sleeping on fucking floors and getting hammered and drinking till four in the morning, and then waking up and being all groggy and shitty in the van, going to the next gig just to get drunk to get over our hangover to play this next show. So we started doing that. We started living like more like like humans on tour. <laughs> like now, just sleeping on floors every night. And then it's like, oh, wow, so 60 bucks a night for Motel 6, five dudes in one room with two beds. So it's like, all right, this isn't a real money-making venture, you know? Yeah. And this is the biggest tour we were on. So we all start kind of thinking, like, all right, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? We could have continued. But, like, then like when you're doing all that, it's, like, all the infighting and all, like, petty things kind of, like, reach to the surface. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, fuck you, man. Like, that's really lame that you were doing that. And petty things kind of come to the surface and like you fight and you get mad at each other and you don't continue but i think in the in the grand scheme of things it was a great time to stop that i think artistically we could have done a little more like we have things that were unreleased we have a a, we did a 25 minute instrumental um that was kind of released that was never finished we played it uh we played uh, on a radio station in santa barbara uh while we were on tour If I play we played our 25 minute instrumental the vocals were never done it's something that we're very mad to this day that we never actually formally finished with vocals Uh but instrumentally it's done it's out there it's you know people can find it um and it's on a live from the devil's triangle i think it's the comp it was at college in santa barbara and that was cool like it's out there so we're happy that got out but at the same time like like where do you draw the line we wanted to like stop you know like, we didn't really want to stop but like we were just sick of each other and sick of not making money and then if we wanted to take the next step in life having kids having a mortgage we couldn't live that lifestyle so it it, it finished like on a on a personal level at the perfect time for us to get into other things to have more of a career and then have kids that gave us that um thank you that gave us that like uh, um you know, that give us the opportunity to have kids and get other jobs that we made a little more money we could pay our mortgage a lot of stuff but at the same time the artisticness like I think we had maybe a year or two more where we could have done a little more and taken it to another level but that's one regret but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I think like we all I don't want to ever have regrets because I mean I'm here now because of everything that happened so mm-hmm. if I altered one thing you know maybe I wouldn't be here right now you know like the whole Marty McFly not having a hand in the picture and shit you know
0: okay so there's liam connor and evelyn evelyn mm-hmm. so two boys one girl mm-hmm. Yes. and so um, did you plan on having kids or
1: yeah i um the math was kind of there i turned 32 and i was like all right if i had a kid right now um i'd be 50 when he's 18 so it's time to get on this shit. So like, I think I knocked my wife up three days later. Yeah, <laughs> and we had Liam in August, right? So nice. do the math. It's November to August. Um, and then we wanted to have um, another kid, we want a sibling to be kind of close in age, so they're not like my sister and I are four years apart, but we're completely different people. You know, like we didn't really grow up cl- like we grew up close, like as close as like a brother and a sister yeah, four are. Years four is years is apart. a little... mm-hmm. But we didn't have the same friends you know we didn't like we didn't share any friends at all she's not into music or anything um we're just kind of opposites um which is kind of a funny thing now having kids and um now that we're older like even though we're we have a lot of different interests and all like we're close again now that we have kids that are all the same age because now our kids are playing together we're both kind of into similar things so we share some common ground even though we're not into a lot of things together but it's kind of cool how it circles around and like um. am closer with my sister after like my 20s and early 30s
0: do any of your kids play instruments are you trying to influence them to play any instruments
1: we have um an acoustic guitar we have a, one of those like shitty like poor quality little kid drum sets okay i have um, it's a bass drum a tom a snare and one cymbal
0: yeah i'm looking to get that myself <laughs> but
1: definitely research the ba- the brands because i think we got a cheaper one my uh, my nephew has one and it doesn't fall apart okay <laughs> this one does Um, but yeah they they bang on that they have a guitar they just they hold it all awkwardly and just like strum on it and you know make up songs about like like taking shits and you know going to the bathroom and stuff and that's what they do he's six you know but um record that shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but yeah they um they're they're into music so it's just cool you know
0: alright do you have them in any sports?
1: um my oldest son Liam he's ridiculously into baseball over the last year. Um, he started playing t-ball, and he just started. He just loves the Mets, like he's become like extremely like like on the spectrum with having to know every single baseball player and their stats and their numbers and everything. Like it's like Rain Man. Like he can tell me every Met, everything. It's insane. Like he's completely absorbed and consumed with baseball. Um, he, yeah, he plays. Um, they have coach pitch now. Okay. This week he was in where the coach throws the ball and they get like five tries and they hit it. But he's super into it. Like all we do, like when I have, when I'm off from work, we just kind of hang in the yard, play baseball. Um, I'll pitch balls to him and stuff like that. Um, my middle one, Connor, doesn't really have too much of an interest in sports. Like he just kind of goes with the flow and does whatever. I think he's still kind of finding his way. Okay. Finding, was like, like Liam was, I guess five when he decided he was like all about baseball and that's he's going to become obsessed with it and have every single baseball card and he has a binder for all his baseball cards nice if we put a Met game on he runs to the binder and he finds every baseball card of the team that the Mets are playing and pulls them all out like
0: so he knows who who's up at bad and all that yeah exactly like he's that's pretty fucking cool he's
1: super into it so it's cool because I like baseball you know I grew up playing Little League and all that stuff and I like the Mets and it's cool that he's into it and we can just sit down and like just watch a Mets game and he's super into it Um, but yeah, Connor's. I think, finding his way. He's, uh, hasn't really decided what he likes. He'll watch baseball, but he loses interest, you know.
0: I know, like, a lot of people like, oh, you know, sports are good because it's, like, it teaches you to work in a team. Do you think it also teaches you to be, like, submissive and submit to the system and, like, just follow orders?
1: Um, yes and no. It depends on who the coach is. (laughs) And, um, this is going on right now with, uh, my kids' baseball league. This is guy, Lou. He's an awesome guy. Um, he's coaching. his he's, He coaches the team. And he does it because he wants to keep an eye on the other fucking coaches, right? He doesn't want people to be, like, too sporty. And, like, ooh, we're five. You know, we got to win the World Series tomorrow. So he does. He's very lax. He's like, yeah, we are gonna we got a game. Cool. Who can make it? All right, we're going to practice. Can anyone make it? All right, if not, no worries. Cool. We played um, – they played another team. And uh, the guy actually threatened to punch another coach in the face – because he gave one of the kids an extra opportunity to hit a ball. Now, we went from T ball to coach pitch, right? So that means like they're hitting balls off a tee. And the difference is now, six months later, the coach tosses it to you. Now, you can hit it like swing five times. And now this guy gave a kid a sixth attempt to hit it because he fouled a few off. The other coach threatened to kick his ass for doing that and not following the rules. That's the bullshit that I fucking despise and will never be around and will never tolerate. The guy that coaches my kids' team is a nice guy. We, we know each other now from the fucking the, the schools and all. Um, my kids went to pre-K with his kid. Um, super nice guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, I will always coach. I'll always be the guy that um, does the Boy Scout stuff. I want to make sure nobody's fucking diddling my kids. So I will be the Boy Scout guy. I will be the baseball coach that makes sure nobody's too much of a fucking sports guy. His wife makes good money. He's a lawyer. He works from home. So he's able to have the time to do it. And he's a good dude. That's fucking who does awesome. It. So it's awesome he's around. But yeah, what worries me, worries me about that stuff is, yeah, the fucking other kids that may get like, um, um, take after the shitty coaches that are like, yeah, we got to win now. It's like, dude, you're fucking five. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Just go and have fun. And it's the shitty thing with baseball. It's like, ooh, attendance is down. People like basketball and football more. It's like, yeah, no shit. Baseball's kind of long and boring. You kind of have to like it to like it. But if you start <laughs> making kids like, fucking hate it when they're five because you have these ridiculous expectations of them then baseball's always going to be a shitty sport when it comes to like like the you know the level of sports and how people view sports
0: I understand what you're saying what are like five core values that you want to install in your children um don't be a dick um <laughs> is one I never thought of that as a value but that's a fucking <laughs> terrific one
1: um do what you want to do um don't be fucking scared of shit. These uh, <laughs> are my values. Um, I'm just pulling him out of my ass right now, but it really is how I want him to be. Um, just do what makes you happy. Be yourself. Don't be fucking too shy or too scared or give a fuck about anything. And just don't be a dick. That's really what it comes down to. Like, I, I think they're gonna be good people. Like, I think our DNA, fucking already, you know, determine that. Like again, like the way my wife and I are raising him. Like, we I think we're nice people. We, um, we're very like, we don't, obviously we never hit our kids or we try not to raise our voices. Like we try to be very cool with them, but we don't want to raise little fucking monsters, you know, where they're, they think they can just do whatever they want. So we, you know, we're strict with the, the timeouts, the punishing, the grounding, stuff like that. Um, I want them to be good people.
0: Like, like, what do you consider uh, success?
1: Just be happy. Like, I don't know. I don't want to ever be unhappy. With what I'm doing, and um, I've I've learned that like my time is probably my most valuable asset to my my happiness. You know, like unfortunately, my job entails that I have to I'm kind of putting in a good amount of time, maybe nine ten hours a day. So how do I manage the time around that? You know, I like to run. Like I quit smoking um, five years ago. Was I about a cigarette? Nice. I kind of quit. Quit like not buying packs. I've gone from a pack a day for, I was 13 to 31. I smoked a pack, like, you know. And I'm close to the same thing. Exactly, yeah. So, like, I quit fucking buying packs of cigarettes. I whittled it down to, like, maybe four a day. And then I just quit. But then I'd go out and drink. And, um, I'd grab a cigarette or two. But I got to the point, I was like, happy with that. All right, cool. I'm a social smoker. I'll have a cigarette here and there. And then I finally got rid of that. And I was able to overcome ever having one. I was like, sweet. So, like, I got rid of, um, Smoking, I forget why I started talking about that. We're no, it's about- okay. Uh, <laughs> it was relevant. I know it was a second ago. but <laughs> <laughs> You forgot too, <laughs> motherfucker.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh, you took me down the <laughs> journey of smoking <laughs> and I started thinking about smoking. That's the one thing. <laughs> um, let me just say this and then I'll think about the rest of this shit. Uh, this is the one thing I'm truly addicted to is smoking, because every time I say, like, it's going to be different this time, I'm just going to smoke when I drink, and then I end up, like, buying a six-pack every night so I can buy yeah, a pack of cigarettes, I, I the same thing. and I, then eventually I get rid of the six-pack, and I'm back to a pack a day. Yeah. Um, I did that, too. I, I asked you about drink. success. Like, what was your, um, mm-hmm. what do you consider success? And you were saying being happy. Oh,
1: yeah. Um... I go off of that fucking smoking tangent? I don't know why. It was relevant. I had a good thought, a clear thought in my head, but I forgot it. Um, just be happy with what you're doing. Like, I was...
0: Oh, because you were saying, like, you battle with your time at work.
1: Shit, I still don't know how I got into and, smoking.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I battle my time at work.
1: And. <laughs> 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 you know, it really is just managing time. Like That's the biggest, like, uh, hurdle I have to get over in life, is yes. managing my time. Like I'll be up there for nine, ten hours a day. And it's like, all right, shit. Oh, that's... what I. All right, here we go. Fucking bring the shit back. Um, yeah, I quit smoking. I replaced it with running. Okay. So, like, I weigh... I was probably 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And I was smoking, like, a pack a day. I whittled it down to, like, four cigarettes a day. Finally quit. Went a couple of years still, like, having cigarettes here and there. And, like, our, our personal trainer friend who sings in our band, uh, of all people... Uh, when he lived in Long Beach, I was like three blocks away from him. We sit on his terrace and just fucking chain smoke Marlboro Ultralights and drink. <laughs> and that was the only night I've gotten smoke. And like I was like, all right, cool. And then like, I finally got over the hump of not like smoking when I was drinking. Like now I go out if we're at the bar, like we like down the corner, like, we'll be like, brides and my friends are like, let's go smoke a cigarette. We're like, all right, cool. And I go out there. I'm gonna like, sit at the bar by myself, just staring at the fucking some shitty thing on TV, um, or young people that don't relate to me. <laughs> I'll go outside with my friends and like, I don't have an urge at all. So, um, it's been like five, oh, Sandy, Sandy was, I think in 2012 Something or 11. Like that. I think the five year anniversary is coming up. So, I had a cigarette fucking four and a half, whatever years ago. So, I've been even having a drag. So, I replaced that with running. So, like, my biggest thing is like time management where like, I wake up, if I have to be into work, if I'm, if, I know I'm going to be in late. I'll go in like 9.30. So like I'll wake up earlier. I'll go to the gym. I'll run. I'll do that. I kind of replace smoking with that as like a vice, I guess. Uh-huh. So it's like fitting like things I want to do for myself. Like, all right, can I take a half hour just to go to the gym quick? You know, 35 minutes. Like not a big deal. I can squeeze that in. Do that. Take a shower at the gym. Bring a change of clothes. Go to work. Get out as soon as I can, which is probably, you know, nine, ten hours later. All am right. going to get home for bedtime. I'm missing dinner but I got to get home for bedtime. At least I got to see them for that. You know, at least I get like maybe a half hour, 45 minutes. We can read a book. Uh Maybe we'll watch like fucking like Teen Titans go or some shit. And, um, you know, and then we go to bed. That's fucking awesome. Like Beast Boy is fucking amazing. (laughs) Love character ever. (laughs) But (laughs) But yeah, like that's what my biggest challenge is. Like managing time and like trying to like balance the right amount of time. Like, all right. So if I'm, if I'm, Working later, I gotta go in earlier. I'm gonna leave earlier. They're going to fucking school anyway now, so um, like during school time. So and or they'll have activities during the summer. So it's like I'm not missing them in the morning by doing something. Then like you almost like feel guilty. It's like well I could have like 20 more minutes with them, but I went for a run in the morning before work. It's like shit. But you kind of like kind of like like um, getting over that shit in your head where it's yeah. like well you, you do know, need you to do what you need to do. You, know, you, you do, do need to mentally
0: mentally take care of yourself so you can mentally be there for your kids. Otherwise, you end up being one of those parents that just sit there and play with the fucking phone because you're trying to check out because you need your own time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, another problem, too. It's like, man, like everything's done on the fucking phone these days. You know, you still have a computer where you, like, sign in and, like, mm-hmm. let me check my email. And, like, now it's like, oh, I'm going to check my email. And like, your kids are there. It's like, oh, fuck. I don't want to be a dick on my phone again. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like... I, I'm conscious, like my wife and I are super conscious of that. We're like, we have like no, no
0: phones. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, one of the oh, things like, I was going to ask you is, do you feel guilty about like not spending time with them? But clearly you just said like, you're like, oh, I just ran for 20 minutes. I could have spent that with my son.
1: Oh yeah. It's like, it's like, all right. So he had to be somewhere at nine. I left at eight 20, you know, <laughs> like to, so I can get a quick, like go to the gym quick and like run on the treadmill for like 35 minutes. It's like, I could have 20 extra minutes with him. And, um, and everyone was getting dressed, whatever. Like I could have extra time with all three of them and my wife too. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wrestled myself, but I don't really feel guilty. Cause I kind of reconcile that with like, mm-hmm. all right, I kind of need to go out and kind of at least do my own thing at least once, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, then I find myself, it's like, all right, everyone's asleep. Now it's eight o'clock. I got work tomorrow. My wife is fucking shot. She's been with them all day. She's asleep. It's nine o'clock. And then I'm like bored. I'm like, well, fuck. It's like nine o'clock. I'm going to be up for another couple hours. Like, what's going on? Like, where's everybody? Everyone's got kids. Why is nobody hanging out now? It sucks. Like, my schedule is off. It doesn't fucking, like, intertwine with anyone else's.
0: <laughs> that's,
1: that's the hardest part, you know? I understand. You're three blocks away, so we'll fucking, we'll drink some beers randomly, at like 9.30. Definitely. You know, on a weeknight. Cheers <laughs> to
0: that. And, uh... All right. I got, like, pretty too much, too much questions. Um, right. Where do you see a kid's future? Like, uh, like, if you could, like, where do you want your kid's future to be in this world? And, like, whatever the fuck you want. Like, don't, like, I don't know. You can, don't, the restraints that we have today don't fucking mean nothing.
1: Um, I don't know. I want to be happy, first and foremost. They can do whatever the fuck they want. As long as they're happy and they're cool and, you know, we have a good relationship with each other. Um, that's all I care about. Ideally, they'd be like a fucking three-piece punk band, you know, fucking like, playing songs. Like, <laughs> like, so if I had to, like, like shoot for the moon and shit, like, yeah, they'd be fucking, you know, we I have enough people, you know, enough kids to start a band. <laughs> but, like, but like, like, like what but kind ideally, of world do you want
0: them to live in?
1: Well, a fucking peaceful one, you know, of course. Like, not um, in a country that's divided, you know, where nothing can get done, no matter what side you're on, what you believe in. I'm not trying to be political or anything at all. Uh, but if you're on one side, if you're on the other, no one's working together. I want them to be in a world that works together, that has the common goal. And it's weird. I watch Game of Thrones. And I'm, I'm, my, my theory is with Game of Thrones, right, that they're kind of shooting to... The whole overall theme will be you fucking assholes in all of your seven kingdoms need to work together because there's a greater, you know, enemy that's coming. And, like, if we don't get our own shit in order as a planet... And as people, then other things will come and harm us, like, um, like fucking weather and shit like that, like global Like, that's what Game of Thrones is doing. You all have to work together to fight the fucking Night King. Like, we all have to work together as a fucking planet to, you know, keep away from, you know, global Just a- warming, fucking flooding, exactly. fucking all that stuff. And it's a test. We all have to... I'm getting all godlike now, like religion. But like I said earlier, I hate religion. But say like like in like this really religious like, religion sense, like we all have to work together for a common goal of our own survival, and that's what I want my kids to be a part of. Is like all right, let's figure out the fucking solution. Let's not be part of the problem. It's not like oh you you're black, you're brown, fuck you, you know like whatever. I don't care where you're from. Just don't be a dick. And fucking care about shit. That's my fucking <laughs> mantra, so, you know?
0: So what steps are you taking to ensure that? And we'll uh, finish it up on that.
1: Uh, teach them about it, you know? Teach them to respect things. Teach them not to be dicks. Don't tease people. Don't act like you're better than anyone. Respect where you're coming from. Respect where your food comes from. Respect everything we do, you know? I go to work so I can put, you know, put put food on their table, you know? Like like some, like, like cliched fucking thing like that. But yeah, I do. I go to work. I sacrifice things to fucking give them a better life. They need to respect that. They should respect my wife and everything she does for them. They respect their friends. Their friends' differences. You know, like um their friends' religions, their friends, whatever. Every every possible aspect of life that differentiates us as humans needs to be respected by them. Like that's and I think they're pretty good with that. They're nice kids. They fucking love that. Like, oh hey Pajra. Hey, Tyrone. Like they don't care. They don't see fucking race. They don't see religions they're just nice kids they respect the environment they're cool and i just want to keep that going
0: yeah no definitely like at that at this point in life like you know i have like my whole family is like my family is like the united nations and shit like my son doesn't really see like color is not an issue to him and i try not to make it an issue so yeah
1: because it never is until someone makes it an issue but that's i think what like you know and that's the whole problem because you know, obviously, the world is divided. You know, not even our country being divided; the whole world is. So, I just want them to grow up in a world that works together towards one, you know, goal, which is to sustain itself. Um, and if I don't think I can accomplish that, because it's, which to be, I want them to be part of the, like I said, part of the solution, not part of the problem. Okay. Of that.
0: And uh, shit, I think. Uh I think that's just about it. Um, real quick, um, so are you pushing the kids to the arts and music, and are you like super supportive of that? Are you trying to like help them um, get further than you did with your career?
1: Well, I'll support anything they want to do. Um, if they hate art and music and they you know they despise it, all right, that's that's your, if that's your interest. Be respectful. Do what you want. Like I won't like I try to gear them towards a certain thing, but whatever they're into, I will. 100% support them. Um, if they want to play music, awesome. I'll 100% support it and do everything I can. Like we were saying before, like I don't think we finished with the, uh, like when I was like 27, 28, and kind of like we kind of ended what we were doing so we could, you know, further like maybe careers or making money and stuff. Like I want to guide him to the point where like I wouldn't want him to be in a situation where like like the first tour I ever went went on. When I was in the band Helena Shroy, We played um, a club in St. Louis Called the Creepy Crawl Okay It was like their version Of CBGB's Like a punk club We played like a matinee show On like a Sunday And we were opening up For a band On sub pop We are like Oh wow We're opening up For a fucking band On sub pop This is awesome Nice And um, they they had a song And a soundtrack This and that They put out records And um, there was eight kids At the show And we were like Man this sucks I thought we were opening up For this big sub pop band What the fuck Eight kids are here And uh, there were, like, dudes that were, like, at the time, for me, they seemed older. They were, like, you know, like, these guys are old. They're probably our age now (laughs) and still doing it. And I was, like, I will never be in that fucking position. Like, that sucks. Like, I'm touring. There's eight kids there. And I'd rather be having my own kids and I'll take a job that maybe wasn't 100% what I expected that I'd be doing in life. But I'd rather have a family and have that connection and have children and do that stuff than... To be forcing something that maybe, you know, doesn't need to be happening at that time in my life. Like, if I was still doing that, you know, 17 years later from when I experienced that, I'd be like, wow, that's kind of sad. You know, like, and like, good for them. I hope they're fucking doing well. Um, but yeah, that was really like, if my I wouldn't want my kids to be that band that's fucking bald and 40 and playing a fucking punk club in the middle of the country and no one cares so I want them to do whatever makes them happy, but I also want to see them be doing something that would make them happy, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, successful and happy at the same time. Right. I mean,
1: like, successful in a way that, like, you can, like, like put it in, you can measure it, you know? If they're happy doing that, then cool. If you want to play in front of eight kids and you're 40, awesome. I'll support you. But I hope that you fucking have higher goals. <laughs>
0: That's really- cool, we'll wrap it up right there. Cool. Fucking rock and roll.
1: Rope. <laughs> Yo, editing to do. <laughs> right, actually, this
0: is gonna be. Red pieces of a puzzle red red death you no know hole to put me in I should try broken skin one Good shit, right there. Helen of Troy, mascara. Here's a little gospel for you. Congratulations, you've hit bottom. People not know this band. That's just criminal. Here's another one for you. Kaiju Daisenso, Nebula Space Hunter M ah, Grime Trolls. They may have been right. Perhaps one day the cockroaches are going to inherit the world. Maybe. Right, that's Kaiju Disenso. you can find them on Bandcamp, I found Gospel on iTunes they're out there you just gotta look thank you everyone